Did you know Skajakwita Creek is 13 miles long and begins in Lancaster? Did you also know that there are sections of it buried, including underneath the Walden Galleria Mall? On this edition of Between Two Great Lakes, we're going to take you along a tour of Skajakwita Creek, giving a bit of the history of it as well as some plans Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper has for the future. As a note, this is the audio-only version. Uh, we collected drone footage of the creek and used that during our Skajakwita September Lunch and Learn series. You can view that video tour and some of the other videos from our Lunch and Learn series on our website, bnwaterkeeper.org, and just search for Lunch and Learn. Or you can watch it through our Spotify account. So this audio-only tour has been lightly edited, so if you just want to go take a walk, listen to us chat, you won't miss anything, and you can still learn a lot about Skajakwita Creek. I'm Adam Zaremski, by the way. I've got Holly Kistner here. She's an ecological restoration project manager at Waterkeeper. Holly manages several projects along highly urbanized waterways, including Skajakwita Creek. You've been doing a lot with Skajakwita Creek lately, Holly. That is correct. <laughs> so that's why we're having you here. Um, I'm kind of leading the way in the video, and you will be the expert in a fashion of telling us what's happening. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's not say expert. Let's say anything but expert anything but expert but you are the expert compared to me so you'll be perfect. okay the relative expert. the relative expert i just don't want to inflate my experience and knowledge it's it's relatively expert i don't think anyone could truly be an expert in all things skajakwita creek sure and i think that's the the part i think i wanted to start off with when i was thinking of it like is this an odd creek because when i look at it there's this aspect of where does it even begin? Where does it, you try to follow it on a map and certain maps will show it, but it gets buried underground. It's been channelized, which means straightened out. And you'll get into that more. Again, buried, it's no longer following that nice meandering path of what a creek should do. So is this like an odd creek, an odd waterway or not? Adam, that's a great observation. And I love the choice of the word odd. Because, yes, Kajakwita Creek is odd, um, if we want to use that word, because it is pretty unnatural. Um, it's been highly impaired by human activity. But unfortunately, it's not odd as in rare. It's very, very common for stream channels to be straightened or buried. And there's a lot of reasons that this occurs. For example, roadway crossings to accommodate development, improving drainage, controlling flooding, reducing the risk of erosion. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why humans have straightened or buried creeks. Historically, as in the case with Skajakwita, creeks were also buried to prevent the spread of disease because the creek was utilized as an open sewer. And even though this isn't uncommon, there are other buried creeks in the city of Buffalo. Uh, Cornelius Creek is one of them and many, many across the country. And then I guess looking at some of our, our past work, uh, Cayuga Creek up in Niagara, like that's been, that was channelized. You know, Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper worked through to unchannelize it to create wetlands again. So I guess, yeah, what you're saying, this these things have happened over time. Yeah, that's a really good example um, as it relates to flooding. And because we unchannelized it, it was able to, in the wetlands that we restored along Cayuga Creek, uh, it was able to improve flooding. What's the right way to describe that? Reduce flooding risks to adjacent neighbors. Right. Okay, so that's kind of a quick overview. Let's um, let's get into this. Let's show off the footage. We captured drone footage of the creek. And so we're starting off in area one, which we're calling the headwaters. So this is it, huh? This is the start of Skajakwita Creek? Yeah, this is the headwaters. You're right. So 
Headwaters uh, is a term that environmental scientists use. That's the source of a body of water. And in this case, the headwaters of Skajakwita Creek is in the center of the town of Lancaster, north of Walden Avenue here. In a natural stream, headwaters would be way less developed. We're fortunate to have a lot of um, natural streams in our Niagara River watershed. So like if you're down in Springville or Colden, you'll see like beautiful headwater streams um, that start in forested areas. But here you can see there is a lot of suburban development just adjacent to the creek. So the source of Skajakwita Creek is a freshwater spring that bubbles straight up from the ground and historically in this case was surrounded by wetlands. But now the headwaters is a culvert under a driveway and drain pipes carry the flow through these suburban developments to a series of retention basins and through culverts at road crossings. So you can see there's several ponds in this aerial footage and those are the retention basins. You can kind of look at where the vegetation is on the edges of the mowed lawns, like all of those trees. That's the creek. And then you can see how sort of like a cut into the sidewalk there where the creek goes through a culvert to cross underneath the road. It's kind of wild throughout the drone footage that we got that you can see a lot of examples where development, like whether the creek's underground, we'll touch on that more, like how development almost followed the creek. Yeah, it is really interesting because I think one thing that's special about the Skajakwita Creek watershed is that it's a very highly populated watershed, whether it's a suburban population or an urban population. Um, people live in close proximity to Skajakwita Creek. It's a creek that humans have a relationship with, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether it's a positive relationship or not. But this creek and the humans of Western New York are connected strongly, whether we want to be or not. And one thing that I also think is interesting about this headwaters area is you can see parts of the creek in this, in this section still have relatively vegetated banks. And so that's important because that changes throughout this aerial footage in the watershed. These vegetated banks are important for preventing erosion. There's flood control benefits. They provide important habitat and shade, which is really good for water quality. I just want to point that out because that will change as we move downstream. Do you know when this area was developed, this spot, like around the headwaters? <laughs> That's a good question. So thank you. Um, I thought of these. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Adam. <laughs> I really want to acknowledge that people have lived here for centuries. So a, a quick history lesson. The neutral nation occupied much of uh, what is today southern Ontario and parts of the southern shore of Lake Erie. And this is back in 1650, folks. So the neutral nation was defeated by the Seneca nation in 1650. And the Seneca Nation may be familiar to you because they were, are the largest of the six Native American nations that comprise the Haudenosaunee or Six Nations Confederacy. It's a democratic government that predates the United States Constitution, which I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's the obvious connection to Skajakwita Creek because the creek is named after Philip Conjockety. And he was part of the neutral nation and later adopted by the Senecas when they defeated the neutral nation. And so his name means beyond the multitude. Really? Yeah. So there's a lot of history to unpack there. But back to your question. In 1797, 
the Seneca Nation was effectively forced to sign the Treaty of Victory with the United States and sell nearly all of their traditional homeland in New York State, and thus began the subdividing of land, colonial sentiment, and early development of our area in Western New York following that. And although this area in particular, the headwaters of Skajakwita Creek, remained relatively rural until the 1950s, since then these homes and developments have uh, been built, particularly in the 70s and 90s. These homes have been here for decades. The I think the headwater wetlands were impacted in probably the 80s or 90s. Okay. So here, um, we're calling this Area 2, we're heading west a bit as the creek heads towards Buffalo. We didn't capture drone footage the entire 13 miles. We're kind of highlighting specific points here um, that best represent the creek's history and future plans that we're involved with. One thing I want to bring up when you're talking about the human connection and how people are very related to this creek, I didn't realize that when we were getting the drone footage, I started looking at this part in area two. This is um, North Creek Park, I believe, in town of Cheektowaga. Yeah, that's correct. This is about five miles downstream from where we just were. But this, I actually used to meet up with friends here. There was a volleyball park on the one side and we'd go and we'd play volleyball. Like this is back 2007 or something because friends lived over. Yeah. Area. Never knew this was Skajakwita Creek. You never do? No. So going back there. And- That's a really good example. I'm glad that you shared that anecdote because it's, it's something that I really sort of harp on when it comes to Skajakwita Creek. I always am saying to people, you have a relationship with this creek, whether you realize it or not. And and we'll talk about some of the more popular, recognizable areas farther downstream. But even up here in North Creek Park, that's awesome that you have a connection. And related to that, what I think is significant about this area and why we chose it as an area to highlight as part of the strong footage is you should notice how close Skajakwita Creek is to people's homes in this footage how it's sandwiched between these two streets and how it goes under two bridges. Development adjacent to the creek in this area between the 30s and 60s made residents susceptible to extreme flooding along the creek, and it also destroyed Skajakwita Creek's wetlands, which had flood control benefits. So it's my understanding that the creek was straightened here, and the area next to the creek is almost mowed right to the edge as part of a flood control project. So this very straight channel and lack of plants and trees is unnatural and not healthy for the creek. However, this like dichotomy between the sort of struggling creek from an ecosystem standpoint and the incredible value it has for recreation and the humans that live adjacent to it is interesting. You can really see that there's an awesome park that you mentioned, a great bike path along the creek. You kind of get the sense of the duality of Kajakwita Creek, if you will. Yeah, I mean, this is a place people can go hang out. I have had phone conversations since we've started doing a lot more of this work and um, kicking off Kajakwita September as part of our marketing and stuff. I've gotten phone calls from people who live along the creek and express their concerns, but also express like how much they care about the creek and they recognize it's an asset. So to an extent, I, I would love some data on it. And I'm not sure we could ever, it could ever be possible to get. But just on one hand, I, it's hard to know how many people recognize like the whole picture of Skajakwita Creek. And then on the other hand, I am certain that people do recognize the creek and and understand their relationship to it. You talked about the mowing, like that's an issue we at Waterkeeper have highlighted, like the living shorelines trying to expand the growth 
Um, I guess if we look back at what area one was where the headwaters were, you'd point it out how there's so much growth and trees have a natural element. And here there's trees, but it's not necessarily the best style, I guess. Yeah. So because it's a flood control project, like there's limitations in the vegetation that's allowed to grow like immediately adjacent to the creek. So you, that's a, a great thing that you pointed out. There's not really trees that cover um, or shade the creek. And trees offer a lot of benefits when they're on the shorelines of creeks. Mostly the shade um, provides a cooling effect for the, and that's really good for water quality because high water temperatures can impair water quality. And it also provides habitat too. So we're in area three now. It's a bit of a shorter jump from where we were in the last point. Holly, where are we at? It's the Walden Galleria Mall. So this is wild as well. (laughs) Yes, this blows my mind. In the late 1980s, the Walden Galleria Mall was just built on top of Skajakwita Creek. A waterway, and they just said, let's build on top of it. Yeah, they said, this this looks like a great place. (laughs) And it's so sad because the construction of the mall destroyed a lot of the remaining wetlands and floodplain acreage in Chictawaga, which destroyed habitat, stressed water quality, and increased blood risk. I think this is interesting because when you drive on the on and off ramps from the highway to get to the mall, you see those kind of ponds along the road. Those are stormwater detention basins that were designed for 500 year storms. Um, So that's an artificial man-made solution to compensate for the jobs that the wetlands did before the mall was built. So there were wetlands, they developed they lose the wetlands and they know there's going to be water flooding mm-hmm. and issues. So they d- design their own non-wetland wetland. Yeah, basically stormwater wetland. detention basins, but non-wetland wetlands. Yeah. So it just flows right under like this parking, the building there. That's just Yeah, just when you're parking at the mall, you are parking on top of Skajakwita Creek. But what's this uh, thing falling in? So I think that's a tributary to the creek. The creek has several tributaries that experience similar stressors to the main stem. So I think that's one of them. Okay. You can see that it's also culverted there and under the road and buried. But all that, that's where the creek's under. Yeah. (laughs) It is. It is super wild. So here's about a mile jump west to the Chictawaga Town Park off of Harlem Road. We have a some big projects starting in this area. We announced something with the Army Corps of Engineers with Buffalo recently. Yeah, it's very, very exciting, actually. So this section of the creek is part of a U.S. Army Corps of Engineers flood control project. Look at how straight it is. This section experiences all the ecological challenge I mentioned previously due to being straightened and channelized. But there is hope because uh, Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper just signed an agreement in July with the Army Corps of Engineers in Buffalo, and they are going to conduct a feasibility study to evaluate opportunities for ecosystem enhancements and improvements along the creek. I can't overemphasize that this is once in a lifetime. This agreement has taken years to get in order from a lot of hard work from our um, executive team, like uh, coordinating with the Army Corps. But now that this agreement is in place, we are on the path to unlock millions, and that's not an exaggeration, of federal dollars to invest in our nation's water infrastructure. For example, projects that could result from this feasibility study include the reestablishment of wetland habitat, which I've sort of really highlighted uh, the importance of the loss of wetland habitat in the watershed, also improving plant communities or restoring natural stream functions. 
I found the book Meander by Margaret Wooster. Yeah. Uh, one of the original founders, I believe, mm-hmm. the waterkeeper, riverkeeper at the time. And she just talks about how streams should not be straight. Basically. Like they meander. Yeah. It's a wandering thing that goes where it needs to go. And that's not what's happening here, though. No, not at all. First of all, that book was excellent. Second of all, you're very correct. So for those of you who don't understand the term meander, it's when a creek has natural curves and it flows. You think of water, you think of organic shape. And this part of Sajakwita is certainly not meandering. It is so straight that when you look at it from aerial imagery on like Google Maps, it looks like a road. And I love this drone footage because it does a really good job of just like following the straight path of the creek. As part of this project with the Army Corps, we're going to explore is there opportunities to restore some of the ecosystem functions that were lost by straightening it so much. So you talked about like improving the plant life there, wetland habitat. Is there any effort? Uh, I know it's early on, it's still mm-hmm. a lot of planning. Would, would that unstraightening it? Is that even a topic or is it kind of like, this is what it is and we're going to work around it? This is, I'll, I'll to tie it all back, this is a part of a federal flood control project. People adjacent, again, you can see to the right side of the screen, like people live really, really close to this creek. And the no matter what happens as part of this feasibility study, the original intention and purpose of the project must be maintained. Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what will shake out as a result of those limitations, but we'll see. This current feasibility study is two years. And then after the feasibility study is complete, we'll have a better sense of like what options are on the table. And that would unlock the next phase, which could be, potentially be implementation. Are there any sections between like channelization where it's natural or is the whole creek been altered in some way? The whole creek has been severely altered. But I do want to push back on anyone who gets the idea now that the creek has been totally ruined or is completely unnatural. I want to share that it's not impossible to restore the creek. As I mentioned before, the headwaters of the creek is spring fed. And throughout the creek, it's recharged by underground freshwater springs. I don't think we fully understand the extent of that either. But this fact gives Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper a lot of hope that despite the degraded status of most of the creek, if humans ease up on the pressure we put on the creek and we can kickstart the work for restoration, the creek will rebound quickly given its hydrological connection to this sort of ancient underground aquifer that promises a significant source of clean, cold groundwater that will continue to flow into the system. And now we're kind of like at the end of the above ground portion. As we're watching, you can see we approach this section and it's and disappear for a bit, right? Yep, quite a bit, actually. 3.6 miles. So yeah, we're at Area 5 now. We've jumped forward. <laughs> Where are we at, Ollie? We're at Skajakwita Street and Northumberland Avenue, aptly named Skajakwita Street, I may say, on the east side of Buffalo. So as we were sort of saying, the creek flows downstream from that flood control project we just jumped from in Chitawaga, and it reaches the city of Buffalo border, where it's buried for about three and a half miles underneath the east side of Buffalo. And that's because in the mid-1920s, it was considered a nuisance. How does uh, how's it get to become a nuisance? That's like a bad child or something. Yeah. I say to my kids. I'm so glad you asked because it was being treated like an open sewer, which is pretty disgusting. Um, but 100 years ago, in the mid-1920s, Buffalo was a growing industrial city, and we didn't know how to manage our waste. And so... There was sewage going into the creek. There was garbage and 
dead animals from like roadkill and stuff. So this was the 1920s, that's what. Yeah, well, people were really complained a lot about the smell. It was truly a public health hazard. Sure. And the city of Buffalo thought that instead of figuring out how to manage our waste, which to be fair, at the time, no one had really cracked that nut. Instead of figuring out how to manage our waste better and work with nature better, uh, the easiest solution was to spend a lot of money and bury the creek. They just build the road right here, right over the creek? Is that kind of how it's flowing along? So they they built the road over the creek in some parts. Um, and then there are linear parks and pathways or oddly wide sidewalks that were built on top of the creek. And so although the creek may be underground with a little sleuthing, the route can be followed. This section is intended to show some of the industry on the east side of Buffalo, as well as the sewer system and the storm drains here are connected to the creek via the city of Buffalo's sewer infrastructure. And the sewer infrastructure flows into the Barriott-Skajakwita Creek. And in the case of the industry, provides a potential pathway for contamination. So now our Skajakwita drone has taken us over to Florida Street and Elton Place. That's about two miles from where we just were. Um, we're still following it as the creek is underground. So all this development has happened over the waterway. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of one of those linear parks on top of the Berry Creek. I also really like that the shot starts with the storm drain because I alluded to this earlier, but the buried section of Skajakwita Creek is connected to our city's sewage infrastructure. So in the case of the storm drain, I really want to highlight that when it rains, rainwater flows into the storm drains like you've seen on the street. And all the extra water from the rain causes parking lot runoff, like gas and oil and plastic pollution that you see on the streets to flow into the drain. And the sewer lines can overflow into Skajakwita. So even though the creek is buried in this section, humans are still very, very much connected to it. That's part of the combined sewer overflow, CSOs, yep. that we're always talking about. Here. Correct. And that's a huge challenge um, in Skajakwita Creek. There are several CSOs that overflow into Skajakwita Creek. I know that the Buffalo Sewer Authority has a long-term control plan to look at solutions to uh, reducing the amount of overflows that happen as a result of that infrastructure. So um, there's a lot of work happening, both internal and external to Waterkeeper, to address that and mitigate as many uh, risks that come from that. Area 7 is we're calling it, but it's more than just Area 7. First of all, the creek's back above ground, Ollie. Yeah, you can actually barely see it because of all the trees, but that's a good thing. But the creek is back above ground. It daylights, which is what term that we use, which means the creek is above ground above again. Ground. It's no longer Sorry. buried. It's daylighted. Yes. And we are in forest lawn. Yes. Well, I guess I'll say like we didn't daylight it. it this section was never buried, but this is the what we refer to as the daylighted section of the creek. And yep, it's in Forest Lawn. So excitingly enough, this is one of the more natural places along the creek. I love Forest Lawn. I know a lot of other people in the city really appreciate Forest Lawn because um, it's such a beautiful place. This area has been a cemetery for over 100 years, but that has kept the creek free from development pressures like we saw in the other parts of the watershed. And one thing, oh, here it is. So one thing I love most about the creek here is Serenity Falls. And Serenity Falls is part of the Onondaga Escarpment. So an escarpment is an area of earth where elevation changes subtly, 
you might know of the Niagara Escarpment, which creates Niagara Falls. So we're um, talking like elevation where we're up high and then we drop low. Yep. It's kind of like a step in geology. Um, so the Niagara Escarpment is extremely dramatic. The Onondaga Escarpment, which is farther south than the Niagara, isn't as dramatic. Um, but the Onondaga Escarpment can be traced from the Hudson River all the way to Buffalo. So if you've ever been to Akron Falls and Akron Park or um, Glen Falls in Williamsville, those waterfalls are also part of the Onondaga Escarpment. And I just love that fact because it gives me perspective about how the natural places I love are all connected. Like Serenity Falls, Glen Falls, Akron Falls are all part of the same like regionally wide geologic step in New York State. The other thing that struck me when the Skajak when the drone was flying overhead here. When we were in the headwaters, we had some tree coverage. Mm-hmm. We had that stuff along the shore. And ever since then, it was pretty much just the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing else around it except grass and not really trees. But like looking up top here, you see all the coverage. And you said this is the area that was never buried. This is a very natural section with this, as we would call it, like living shoreline. Yeah. So there's a lot of vegetation. You can see the creek meanders a little bit better. Forest lawn is really important to Waterkeeper because it's such a great example of where we can start and where we can go with restoration. Waterkeeper has actually seen a major project here to clean up the forest lawn section of the creek corridor. And that project included creek dredging, shoreline contouring, wetland creation, and riparian restoration. And I also want to pause here because I think I've been using the word riparian and not defining it, but riparian means the area adjacent to the creek so, so not like a little bit off yeah um like shoreline and a little bit off the shore it riparian is the land that has like sort of a direct relationship to the creek adjacent to it the habitat for plants and animals that require a creek to be or a water body to be right there as i was saying the restoration efforts here were no coincidence because the, this portion of the creek that flows through the historic Forest Lawn Cemetery and Delaware Park is also centrally located between the upstream and downstream portions of Skajakwita Creek. So our work here has been in, intended to demonstrate success and catalyze future restoration projects. It's a very peaceful place. Like, I don't know if folks have walked through Forest Lawn, if they're birders, but great birding hotspot. It's a very peaceful place to to walk and sit by the creek. So Forest Law. Now, what roads are we crossing here? So now we are crossing Delaware Road. You can see Skajakwita Creek flowing downstream. This is a pretty well-known and recognizable area to most people. That's quite late. So my question, you look at it, the two together, and when you, again, when you're trying to follow Skajakwita along, do these mix? Does Hoyt Lake and Skajakwita Creek mix at all? I mean, just look at how close they are. Yeah, they are. And they used to actually be connected. White Lake was just a wider part of um, Jackwood Creek. But now the water doesn't flow into White Lake. The lake and the creek were disconnected because all the pollution from upstream was causing White Lake to become sort of a stagnant, deoxygenated pond. And so they were disconnected. However, the creek and all its pollution still overflows into White Lake during storms right over this path. And you can see where they're disconnected and you can see where the creek is then buried underground again 
to bypass the lake and it pops up uh, near the Buffalo History Museum. You can see some, the trash that's sort of accumulated near where it's buried there. It's pretty gross. Going underground, kind of following that pathway to the mm-hmm. left there that people would walk. There's White Lake, very beautiful. Yeah, I love White Lake. One of the things I think is interesting here is you're walking around White Lake. You can occasionally can catch a whiff of like the gross smells coming from the creek. But that's juxtaposed by like all the people who are sharing the space and relaxing and coming to be kind of in this like natural setting in the middle of the city. It's that perfect area to go for a run or a bike ride. Yeah, absolutely. Or just I love my friends and I will. There's like all these willow trees along White Lake. And my friends and I used to just like sit, lay out a picnic blanket and just like sit under the trees and like hang out by the lake. It's it's such an important community asset. And Skajakwita Creek is really integral part of that and the health of the lake is connected to the health of the creek even though they're disconnected during storm events it overflows is that something we are looking at or anyone is looking at like preventing that overflow yeah so there's sort of there's the short-term goal and the long-term goal so the short-term goal is when flooding occurs if we can reduce pollution inputs from upstream then the flooding when it overflows into this huge recreational resource of Hoyt lake won't be as polluted, that's a positive. But then the long-term goal would be to reduce pollution from upstream so much so that we, we could daylight the buried section of uh, Skajakwita Creek adjacent to White Lake and reconnect the two, which would allow for a much healthier ecosystem of both overall if we could just get a handle on some of the pollution inputs coming from upstream. Quite a long-term off, though, if it happens. Quite a long-term off, but there's no harm in hoping. Sure. And working really hard towards it, as is the case with my job. (laughs) All right, moving along. Again, we're daylighting, and there's McKinley High School west of Elmwood Avenue up there and uh, the Jesse Kriegel Pathway. Mm -hmm. People can walk along, right along the creek there. You can kind of see the meander aspect there. Yeah. Turns, some trees, a little more natural, I guess. Um, This section is, in my opinion, awesome. You go by here a lot? Yeah. So I, I live relatively close and I love like running and biking in this part of the creek. This is the Jesse Kriegel pathway that you see and you can see the the creek itself sort of sandwiched between the 198 expressway and the Jesse Kriegel pathway. But the pathway is so great. It's a multi-use trail um, that provides sort of an inland connection from uh, Hoyt Lake to the Niagara River. And yeah, there's a lot of development and the expressway and industry adjacent to the creek. But and you'll also notice what looks like a comb sticking out of the creek farther downstream. That's a, a dam that's intended to to catch debris, and, and it's um, a barrier to fish passage, and also frankly a little unsightly. But despite all the stressors the creek faces in this section, the reason I love it is because it just provides unbelievable habitat for the middle of the city. You can, I mean, you can't totally ignore everything that's going on, but you can get a glimpse of what's possible if restoration could be scaled up. For example, I've seen belted kingfisher fishing uh, in this section of the creek, black crowned night herons fishing here too. I don't know if you've ever seen a black crowned night heron, but it's like a little football kind of bird. So <laughs> They're so cool. Um, my partner and I actually saw foxes with their kits underneath the expressway in the spring before all the trees leaped out. And it was like little adorable little fox right along there yeah right underneath the expressway like the where it goes over the creek there's like on and off ramps and they had a little den 
we brought our binoculars there. We were like watching them come in and out of their um, den and play with each other. It truly was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. Just like straight up off an expressway in the middle of the city. I've heard rumor, legend that people have seen beavers in this part of the oh creek, which is really cool. And trout make it up here past the dam somehow, which is also pretty wild. Um, so it's it's a really, really special place in the middle of the city that's very near and dear to my heart and i think there's a ton of opportunity there's like a proposed downgrade of the 198 expressway so that would provide some opportunity to reclaim the riparian zone on the opposite side of the creek of the pathway and really allow the habitat and the ecosystem to flourish it's just the whole creek to me part of the reason why i love working on it and I hope will be rewarding in a decade, is that it's a really resilient system. Like, I think we spend a lot of time talking about all the things that are wrong with the creek, all the stressors the creek faces, all the ways we've made mistakes and humans impact the creek. But despite all that, there's still entire ecosystems and wildlife and little fox kids and beavers and trout and cool birds living in the middle of the city. And I just, I can't say how much I appreciate that. Okay, so this is kind of the final spot of the Skajakwita drone that we've been following the creek along. Uh, we are almost a mile away from that last spot, and this is where it ends. Uh, you can see all the highway industry, and right in there is just Jacquita. There it is. Doing its thing. Tucked, tucked in there in all the chaos. Yeah, I love this shot because you can see all the highway infrastructure. You can see the industry. You can see Black Rock Canal. You can see Unity Island, the Buffalo Sewer Authority, the Peace Bridge is all the way to the left there, and then the Niagara River. So you just really get a sense of of place like what what this creek is kind of in the middle of this area is in need of of a lot of love for lack of a better way to describe it there is some serious legacy pollution and um, ongoing pollution and contamination that is occurring as in this section of the creek so the, the dc has a, a lot of remediation efforts underway it's considered part of the niagara river area of concern so if you're familiar with the Area of Concern program, it's an international program that looks at the toxic hotspots um, both in the United States and Canada across the Great Lakes. So the Buffalo River is an area of concern as well. And so the lower Skajakwita Creek is part of the Niagara River concern. That's our Skajakwita drone footage for the day. Holly, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I just really want to communicate to folks and if there's if there's nothing else that you take away from this that despite the creek's impairments it's such an incredible resource for our community and it really hosts a resilient ecosystem so i hope this brings people's attention to the reality of the challenges that the creek faces while also providing an opportunity for folks to dream about the potential of a restored future and appreciating the creek for what it currently provides well thank you holly Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. Before you go, I just want to remind everyone, contributions from individuals are what make this work possible, what Waterkeeper is able to do on a day-to-day -day basis. 
For every dollar raised, Waterkeeper leverages it tenfold through securing grants and other funding to help deliver over 60 projects and programs each year. Donor dollars support our efforts to research and monitor our waterways, design projects, advocate for good policies, and even construct habitat and access improvements. These efforts in turn create a significant economic and environmental benefit for our community. In some cases, like our Buffalo River restoration, it has been shown to create a 40 to 1 return. So whether you can give $5 or $5,000 or more, please know your dollars stay local, will be multiplied, and will help make change in our waters and community. Many thanks again to Buffalo-based band Snowbelt for their intro and outro music. In this episode, you can find their music and latest album, Norris Avenue, on all streaming services. Check them out. And thank you again for listening. Be well and do good. <laughs>